welcome to Docupied, a podcast about anime, manga, light novels, and industry news. I'm your host, Brandon, otherwise known as Doc Pay, and this week I'll be talking about another recently licensed light novel series, The Magician Who Rose from Failure by Game Hitsuji, published in English by J Novel Club. There's currently one volume out. The second volume is due to release in May, but if you're a member, all of volume two is available to read on the site via the subscription. You may recognize the name Game Hitsuji as the author from, or of rather, The Magic in This Other World is Too Far Behind, another light novel series, which is also published by J Novel Club. That one's got nine volumes out. I have not read that one, so I am missing, I guess, a little context with regards to this story and this author, but we'll just say it's giving me a fresh perspective. My first introduction to this author. So let's read the blurb from volume one to kind of give you the overview summary of what this story is about. It goes, the Ray Thefts are an old minor noble house defined by magical talent and martial service. When six-year-old Arcus Raytheft, firstborn son to the family, proves disappointingly inept at magic, he is stripped of his inheritance and written off by his parents. His adoptive sister, Alicia, still adores him, but as the new heir, she is forbidden to interact with anyone who might drag her down. But when one inheritance is lost, fate arranges another. Arcus remembers another life, in a world where science prevails and magic belongs to the realm of fiction. Suddenly endowed with the life experience of a grown man, and pressed to find a purpose as his family turns against him, Arcus resolves to find a way to break the laws of magic and wraith of tradition over his knee. So, yeah, this is another fantasy isekai magic story. I know, there are many of these, and I've been talking about quite a few of them, <laughs> uh, not just recently, but overall. So there will be a lot familiar with both this story and setup if you've read any number of light novels. One thing is, again, I have not read this author's previous work, but from what I understand, he has a very particular style with which he describes like the systems of magic and whatnot within the worlds he creates. And I'll get into that a bit more later, but suffice it to say, it's very detailed. So I have read both currently available volumes in English, one and two, and this was another one I think I mentioned on the last episode that I wanted to wait until I read more to kind of get a better feel for the story before I talked about it. And, you know, with volume two now, I think I've got a pretty good idea or a stronger grasp on the story again. So let's start off by talking about all the things that are familiar, and then I'll get into where it diverges from that, and then I'll kind of do my usual story characters writing. Okay, so the usual. It is technically an isekai. It is fantasy. It's set in kind of, once again, Middle Ages Europe, in a fictional kingdom where there's magic and monsters. This is another one of those overly talented young people shock and awe all the adults around them and proceed to do all kinds of crazy things, completely unprecedented for people that age, this kind of thing. So in a lot of ways, there is some definite resemblance to Fushino Kami, for example, 
or Bookworm, By the Grace of the Gods, just to name a few that I've already talked about. It definitely has a lot of those same kind of tropes. In this case, our main protagonist starts off as six, and he wakes up to his memories after he's already disinherited and basically an outcast in his own family. That's a bit different from most of these other stories. Some of them, they wake up one day and discover it, or some of them are born and have their memories from birth, um, like Michelle Kutensei or Tanya. There's definitely several different patterns of isekai, and it's the there's the summoned, there's the reincarnated, there's the remembers past life or original life, and all kinds of combinations of those things. In this instance, somewhat uniquely, similarly to Fushinokami, our main character basically remembers and experiences this past life in a dream, or you know, during a, a fever, remembers all of it, and then comes to the next morning. Now again, similar to Fushinokami, this is where it diverges a little bit. There's a couple different patterns that our kind of light novel protagonists go through. Some of them treated as a continuation of their previous existence, consciousness, self, and they're just like, okay, I'm now this person. Sometimes they merge a little and they're kind of a mixture of who they were and who they are. And then you have these instances where Arcus, our main character, treats the memories as a resource and he constantly refers to them as that man's memories. So it's more like a past life or like an alternate life. So it's definitely more reincarnation in that sense, but not a direct continuation. So Arcus, for example, may be the reincarnation of, of this man from, you know, Japan, but he does not see himself as that man. He himself is Arcus, and he isn't convinced of a necessarily a connection there. So for example, it, Spirit Circle is a good, a, a good example, if you've ever read that, of the same like soul or person being reincarnated as different, like distinctly different people in different places and times. So Arcus, for example, may be that man in a metaphysical, like he has shares a soul with that man, but Arcus is not him. He simply remembered that life and is now able to use those experiences for himself. So that's one kind of unique difference to many other isekai. Arcus obviously adopts a lot of mannerisms and habits from like that man, but he distinctly thinks of himself as a separate person. And that's kind of similar to Ash from Fushinokami, where they're, they're dubious on whether or not this past life was them, if they're remembering someone else's memories, like what the direct connection is like. Did they get reincarnated after death? It's all kind of, it's unknown up in the air. But it doesn't necessarily matter in the end. Arcus is who he is. Um, and now he's he's definitely being influenced by the memories from the man, obviously. That's the story that we're being told. So that's a bit different in terms of setup. Another difference, like I mentioned, is that he wakes up to these memories and he's known as and and being called you know, talentless, pointless. You know, he, he was stripped of his inheritance. Um, this is another kind of deals with nobles and high society 
type of stories as well. So just be prepared to hear a lot about noble society. And so now Arcus is disinherited, but he still lives like, you know, with his family because he starts off as a six-year-old. And now with all these extra memories to pull from, Arcus, who has a good memory, I think they essentially refer to it as not necessarily photogenic, but um, what's the word where you can like pull up any memory, anything that you've read or seen in the past. It It's all like archived in his brain in a way where like he can recall any of it. And so in that case, he's able to look through this man's memories anytime he wants. Well, look through is not the right word, but like filter through it as if it were an archive of information. And as expected, in this world, he's able to tie in his knowledge of physics and advanced technology to kind of create his own magic. And at least one other thing is in the story, he definitely, the reason he was disinherited is because he does not have enough aether, which is like the quantity of magic particles or mana or whatever you want to call it, really. Um, and so he just, he doesn't have enough. And that remains true, at least through the first two volumes, he does not have a lot. And so he goes about devising ways to make use of his limited supply by creating his own magic that, you know, relies on his knowledge of like physics and, and things like that. Well, it just started raining really heavily. So if, if there's rain noise in the background of my audio for the rest of this, and there probably will be. There's really nothing I can do about that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> okay, I think the rain died down. So hopefully we're good. Anyway, where was I? Alright, I think I was talking about, well, Arcus, obviously. But his use of his past life experience, memories, knowledge of physics, things like that, to, to recreate or to create new magic never before seen in this world based on it. Now, one reason... I wanted to wait after the first volume, after I read the first volume before I talked about it, and I wanted to read more, was largely because, and I don't know if this is a quirk of this author's in particular, but the plot definitely moves around and jumps, and things happen kind of randomly and quickly. Like, things are introduced, and then they happen, and then lots of things progress, like, very quickly without a ton of kind of setup necessarily, at least in the first and second volumes. And so this continued into the second volume, but I just wanted to like see how that would play out before I talked about it. So one thing is a lot of time passes in this story. I believe, well, six years uh, in the first two volumes. I believe he's 12 by the time volume two ends. And some of them are time skips. Or rather, I think most of them are just time skips. They just start a new chapter with like, and it's two years later. So within the first and second volume, I, I feel like the first half of each of these volumes does a lot of setup, world building, and especially does a lot of explain like sets up and explains the systems of magic within the world and how our main character Arcus is using it. There are lots of discussions and narration and thoughts from Arcus about magic and creating his new magic. There's just, I feel like the first half of each volume or so is a ton of exposition and setup. And the second half of the volumes 
some like random event just happens unconnected to Arcus that he then gets embroiled into and has to kind of deal with his way out of. I don't I don't know another good way to describe it, but like in both volumes, kind of crisis event occurs that doesn't necessarily pertain to Arcus that he doesn't like start or involve himself in initially, but he gets like roped into. And so he just kind of has to go along with it and deal with it and resolve it. And I do feel like, I mean, okay, the one in the first volume pertains to some immediate characters surrounding him. And so there is like an importance there and it definitely sets up some stuff in the future. The volume, the one in volume two feels like it comes out of left field. Like it literally comes out of left field and it just takes over the whole latter half of the volume. And then, you know, we do learn it's like somewhat connected to some stuff he's doing sort of in the background, but in both cases, there's just like lots of talking and exposition and, and magic and, and character building and world building. And then the last half of each book is just like, like the author drew a random event card and was like, uh, volume one. Okay. Kidnapping done. We're going to have a kidnapping subplot. And then the rest of the volume is dealing with that. Volume two is like, oh, evil organization doing bad things. Well, the rest of the volumes now dealing with that. So I don't know if this is because of how this author writes or if the author just needed to establish some of these things early on and so just jumped right into them now in order to build them up because they definitely tie into the greater story. I'll give them that. Like they don't at first and then they do, or rather the story goes in a direction such that the events that happen matter to the story after it happens. So like initially it's just like, why, why is this happening? How is this like, what the hell's going on? And then at the end, it all kind of ties back in to the greater story and character surrounding our, like our main character Arcus. And then it's like, okay, yeah, I guess for me, it's just, it definitely feels like both events jump in out of nowhere. They just kind of, they really are like random encounter events. And it does feel like the author just like drew from a pile and like, all right, this is what's going down. And then boom, we have a new subplot that just starts. I, I do find them interesting. Like they're entertaining little jaunts, the things that happen. It definitely is jarring to me though. And it happens in both volumes. So I don't know if this is going to continue beyond this. If we're going to keep getting like first half of the book is like going over what happened more exposition on what's going on and just kind of Arcus doing Arcus things. And the second half of the book is some event that gets sprung on him. I, I'm not sure I'm necessarily in favor of that kind of style of writing. It's, it definitely feels very forced. Even if I do end up enjoying what happens, it's definitely a little weird, a weird way to structure the story and plot. I'll just say, I hope there's a lot more like connection up front and like groundwork laid going forward for some of these things. But I guess we'll see in terms of characters. I've talked about Arcus quite a bit, but I haven't really told you kind of what he's like as a main character. He's another one of those. He reminds me a lot of Ash and how I described him in terms of like, he 
makes a lot of use of his past world knowledge. He is smart and attentive and hardworking. He's clever. He's definitely out for his own kind of goals. He is our main narrator and POV uh, in terms of the writing. And he's, he's definitely a little mischievous. He's got his kind of quirky side where he likes to have a little bit of fun with some of the people around him. As a main character, he's pretty good. He's personality-wise, you know, pretty standard light novel protagonist in a lot of ways, especially the, like, talented genius young child in an isekai story type. He definitely has a lot of those same features. The people around him are are interesting. There's, like, the whole world around him, the country he's in, is very focused on, um, like, magic and... So, you know, for example, we learned that his uncle is what's known as a state magician, one of like the 11 or 12 most like powerful magicians in the country. And so he like things happen and he gets close to his uncle and and trains with him and does a lot with him. His uncle's kind of one of those like fiery, adventurous, brash type fellas who definitely is all like, you know, very strong, overwhelms people. But he's also pretty intelligent based on what we've learned. And there's a number of other side characters that we get introduced to. I won't spoil any of them necessarily. They're not spoilers, but like I do enjoy some of the people that they start to kind of collect. Arca starts to collect around him. They definitely play off him well. But there is also, for a lot of them, a very similar kind of reaction to what I was describing in like Fushinokami to Ash, where all the people around him are kind of almost endlessly either like wowed or taken aback or just like numb to his exploits or they're just like, ah, that crazy kid's at it again. What's he doing this time? Or like, uh, or, you know, people who start to like revere him or like think very highly of him. There's just a lot of that. So you're going to hear a lot of side talk about how crazy talented or intelligent or clever or whatever he is for doing X, Y, and Z. So just kind of be prepared for that. There are occasional POV shifts um, within the story. Sometimes they shift to the perspective of his adoptive sister, who is actually his cousin, uh, Alicia. Sometimes the perspective shifts to like an enemy or one of his kind of attendants that he gains, or the perspective shifts to some other folks in the story, um, some of the state magicians or like the king. So it, it definitely shifts around a little bit to kind of give additional depth and and development outside of Arcus's like direct purview. And I think that definitely helps. You get more of an objective view of a lot of other things going on. It gives you some insight into things like beyond what he knows, some world building, and it introduces you to additional both characters and things happening that just he's not involved in, which is good. In these kind of stories, they're hard to stay grounded when it's entirely told from the perspective of like your main character, like like Ash and Fushinokami or Arcus in this case. There's just a lot to be left on the table if you don't explore the other characters' perspectives of things. They really definitely help break things up and provide a very different feel to what's going on 
So I'm I'm glad every time that they shift and we get to hear from someone other than Arcus. Not to say I dislike Arcus's stuff, but like he does talk a lot about developing magic and the systems of magic. And in you know the second volume, he starts trying to brew alcohol, and it and maybe that'll tie into the to the plot more in some fashion. But it's definitely a weird subplot that kind of goes nowhere so or hasn't gone anywhere so far. I'm not against, you know, the author going on little tangents of like, and he found a book and decided to try making al- magical alcohol. All right, cool. I mean, you tell whatever story you want, but like, does this end up mattering? Or is it just a kind of show that Arcus is interested in tinkering and experimenting and learning and, and just trying new things? So it could be any of those, but there are several instances of like things not going or going anywhere or panning out, at least as of yet, where you're just like considering how much time you spent on that and not actually building up the conflict that happens in the second half of the volume. I guess I'm just confused on priorities in terms of storytelling. Well, I've definitely been, I guess, harsher on this story than some of the other more recent ones I've read, like read and talked about. I did enjoy it. I guess for me, kind of my bar of enjoyment is is very low. Like I can enjoy almost anything and I do enjoy this one. I'm going to keep reading for now. I think there's enough here of interest. I'm interested in seeing how some things go and turn out. And But at least for other people, if you're not as maybe easily entertained as I am these days, it's still pretty decent. There's a lot here to like, I think. And while it's not where I'd say, for example, like The Great Cleric, where the second volume is definitely like a lot better than the first one, these two volumes felt very similar. The second volume kind of introduced some interesting things that I'm curious to see how they like continue and some characters, you know, things like that. There's a lot more world building and setting up that happened and it's enough to keep me there. So if you're in the market for another kind of isekai-ish magic fantasy middle ages european setting story about a i guess like child genius doing crazy things this is kind of another one to add to your list (laughs) i will say i think of the like two very similar stories that i kind of picked up recently fuchinokami and this as of yet i definitely prefer fuchinokami i just think the writing's a lot more coherent and smooth and the world building is is more interesting there's probably a more interesting like cast of characters in the magician who rose from failure though and this is likely because of the inclusion of like magic and powers and and mystical fantasy things whereas in fushinokami it's it's all just people which isn't boring or anything but like that story is taking its sweet time in terms of developing its characters and and its world and it really revels in doing so and I, i'd quite enjoy that so just keep in mind that it's different it's very different between the two um so if this is interested you at all or maybe you're someone who's already read and enjoyed the magic in this other world is too far behind and you didn't know that uh kame hitsuji had another series go check this one out it's the magician who rose from failure published in English by J Novel Club, written by Game Hitsuji. There's one volume currently available for purchase. The second volume is due to release in May, or you can read it if you're a member now. 
it might not be my favorite or the best, but it's enjoyable. So thanks for listening. Follow my Twitter, I am DocPay for updates. And please, if you like Docupied, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Every review helps someone else find it. I'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.